welcome to the Men Leading Men podcast. My name is Tim Jacobs. Thank you so much for joining today as we dive into another episode about leadership. In the Men Leading Men podcast, the goal is to help men who are new to leadership or those aspiring to leadership become more self-aware and equipped with actionable tools to craft and improve their leadership and its impact. I'm excited today about our topic because I have a story that I want to tell, and it's not a new story, it's not my own story, but I ran across it a few years ago, and I think that it fits perfectly with what we need to know today in regards to leadership, in regards to our personal leadership and how it impacts and affects those around us. So let's start with this story before we jump into our main topic. Well, there are many conflicts as to the validity of the accuracy of the story. We can confidently attest that it is mixed with a little bit of mythology as well as historical people, events, and locations. Now, the ancient Greeks believed that this story I'm about to tell you was a historical event that had taken place in the 12th or 13th century BC. The story is among the most important events in Greek mythology. And if you've read the Iliad and the Odyssey by Homer, you may have heard this story before. This was a tale that began because of a beautiful woman, as most stories worth telling do. Paris of Troy abducted Helen from her husband Menelaus, the king of Sparta, igniting a conflict that would last for years between these kingdoms. Now, it'd probably, in my opinion, be a better story to recount if it involved this husband, Menelaus, riding to the rescue, retrieving his wife, and returning home living happily ever after. However, running the kingdom was more of a priority for this man, so he actually commissioned his brother, Agamemnon, to set sail and bring his bride back. So, the Greeks and their allies began what we all know as the Trojan War. For ten years, ten years, the Greeks fought battles outside the city of Troy, attempting to overcome the ancient Turks and their myriad of allies who were called in to aid in the defense of this city. Wide speculation has been given to determine a conclusion as to why the conflict had taken so long, and we, we have very few certain concrete details. Some thoughts are that it could have been their lack of military strategy, a, a competent leader wasn't available, maybe they didn't have sufficient weaponry, there wasn't adequate soldiers, or they were at a disadvantage from a geographical standpoint. We, we just don't know for certain. But what we do know is this. For 10 years, they attempted to take this city, and they failed. They failed 10 years at this project. Finally, the first known light bulb began to glow atop the head of Odysseus as he concocted a scheme to trump the military minds who were warring against each other. The Greeks constructed a giant wooden horse able to house more than 30 men inside 
the bottom belly portion of this contraption. And then in the head, it could hold two more as lookouts or spies. So they constructed this, they put the men inside, and then they called for a volunteer to walk to the horse to the gates of the city and do his best to convince the Turks they had left him and this gift behind. So they filled the horse, recruited their volunteer, and then they sailed away out of sight. Now, despite the warnings of a few of those inside the walls, most notably a woman named Cassandra, the horse was brought in the city along with their kamikaze volunteer. While the drunken celebration of victory being conducted with no remorse, that night, the men emerged from the horse as the ships sailed back to land. The men emerged from the horse, opened the gates from the inside, and the Greeks ransacked the city, finally becoming victorious, retrieving Helen to be returned to King Menelaus. Now, while history and the Greek tradition is to celebrate the heroics and the military conquests that favored their troops, I cannot help but find another moral of this story. And that's what I want our topic to be about today. Our topic here today is you should really guard your gates. You, you should, men, you should guard your gates. It's up to you. For 10 years, they were able to fight and defend and keep the Greeks at bay and outside of the walls. Then, by letting their guard down for just one moment, they believed a lie. They saw something pleasing to their eyes, and they let the enemy walk right in and destroy what they had protected from day one. So why should you guard your gates? And, and how do you guard your gates? Well, I want to talk about a few of those strategies here as we jump into this topic today. So let's start. As we think about our topic today. You may be asking, well, what gates are you talking about? What, what gates should I be guarding? And we're talking about leadership. We're talking about me being a leader, whether I'm a new leader or whether I'm trying to become a leader. What, what gates are you referring to? Well, the easy answer is the first gate that you should be paying attention to, you should be guarding, is the, the gate of your mind. The gate of your mind is a very serious gate that we have to be conscious about protecting because there are things trying to infiltrate our mind and bring us into different mental states that we don't have time for, that are damaging, that are harmful. And if you allow these thoughts to get into your mind, if you allow these things to infiltrate your mind, then it could start you on a very dangerous slope. What things would infiltrate our minds? Well, confusion, depression, insecurities, 
an inferiority complex, things that would paralyze us, negative thoughts, lies, just like the story. They believe this lie. These things are trying to infiltrate our minds and, and bring us down to a state of, of even depression and, and potentially further darker paths. We have to protect the gates. We have to guard the gates of our mind. There are other gates as well, but that's the starting point. Because if you can, if you can conquer the guarding of the gate of your mind, then the other gates, it makes you more aware. It makes you more conscious about these other areas where outside forces are trying to infiltrate you and trying to cause you to stumble, trying to keep you out of leadership, trying to tell you you don't deserve to be in this position of leadership, trying to tell you that in the position of leadership that you are in, that you're no good at it. There are other people that you perhaps don't know enough. All of these negative thoughts and imposter syndrome can come in and can infiltrate your mind. So we have to start there. But from there, it bleeds into your home, the gates of your home. Whether you're married or not, you have to be in charge of the gates of your home, which, which implies that as you are building yourself, as you are growing, as you are progressing in life, you have to have certain convictions about yourself. You have to have certain boundaries. You have to have certain morals. You have to have these things about you that would tell other people, this is who I am. It's your character. It's, it's, it's those things that you say, I'm not going to compromise. This is who I am. And other gates of course, leading from there are your marriage, If for those of you that are married, your family, for those of you that are perhaps fathers, your leadership, your future. These gates we must protect. So how do we protect these gates? How do we ensure that not only do we protect these gates, not only do we guard the gates of our mind, our home, our marriage, our family, our leadership and our future, but how do we make sure that there is a resolve inside of us that says whether I have to fight this enemy for 10 years or for 100 years, I'm never going to open up the gates of my mind of all these places and allow an enemy to infiltrate what I'm doing and what I'm called to do. So there's a couple of strategies that I want to help you with today that would establish some patterns in your life to help conquer these areas, to help ensure these areas are taken care of. Now, the very first one may sound simple, but let's talk through it. The very first strategy to ensure that you guard the gates of these areas and don't allow an enemy to infiltrate you, deceive you, and ultimately defeat you is that we must, men, we must be prayerful. We must be prayerful. That means that every day we need to pray for these gates. We need to pray that our, the gates of our mind are protected, that the gates of our home are protected our marriage, all of these areas that we've listed. And perhaps you may be thinking of some other gates 
in your life. We have to make sure that above all, the very first thing that we're doing is that we're prayerful. Guarding the gates of our home is important. And it's not just enough, when I say be prayerful, it's not just enough that out of this ritualistic or legalistic behavior, I repeat the same words every day and there's no substance and there's no depth and there's no meaning to it. But the time that we spend in prayer is about building a personal relationship. And this relationship is unlike any other relationship that we'll build in life. This personal relationship with God ensures that as we're building this unity with Him, that as we're building this relationship, that we are setting in motion this protection that only a supernatural force like the hand of God can help with. It's that admittance. This, this prayer time is that admittance of humility that says, I need something greater than me to help in this area because I know in my humanity on my own, it's just not possible. I have to be prayerful. Even David, even this giant that we look at in history, even David didn't say that he prayed for a few moments or that it was a a thing that he did when he was younger, before he was anointed king, before there were victories, and then he stopped. He said in the middle of his life, he said this, evening and morning and at noon will I pray and cry aloud and the Lord shall hear my voice. Psalms fifty-five seventeen. The fact of the matter is we cannot pray enough. We cannot pray enough. We, we must ensure that our prayers are full of substance, that our mind is geared towards that on a daily basis. Being prayerful multiple times a day, our minds should go to a place of prayer. And that doesn't mean that for multiple times a day, sitting down for these long periods of time, but as our mind drifts back to prayer in different increments of our day, we can pray for things like physical protection. In this, in this prayer time of prayers of substance, we should be praying for physical protection. You know, Lord, I'm about to get in my car and I'm about to drive across town. Keep me safe as I go. Pray for your physical protection. My kids are going to school. Lord, put your hand upon my kids and, and protect them as they go. Praying for these things throughout the day ensures that our minds are constantly back on not just the rigors of the day, not just the things that we have planned in our daily planner, but these things are geared towards, you know what, as I go about each day, I just want the Lord to be with me. I just want these things to be a part of who I am. Pray for the protection of your mind. That gate of your mind, as as you are sitting there as a as a sentry on the wall, how much more protected would it be with the Lord being that sentry on the other side of the wall, right there with you? As you're as you're asking the Lord for protection over your mind, and you're being intentional, as your mind stays on, you know what? I, want, I need to make sure that my mind is protected. You're being conscious of these things, and it's only through you being conscious and allowing God to be there with you through that prayer time will it happen. Pray for protection over our heart. 
Scripture says that, you know, our heart, we, we shouldn't always trust it. It says it's deceitful, desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's our heart. And today, too many people, too many young people, too many individuals are being pointed towards operating off of their feelings, making decisions off of feelings, making making very serious life decisions off of feelings. We have to make sure that we pray for these things on a constant basis. We need to, we need to pray that we are more Christ-like in our efforts in this earth. That means we need to be more sensitive to the needs of others. We need to be more compassionate. We need to have this mind about us that is geared towards being prayerful and praying for these things so that our gates are not infiltrated, busted down, snuck through, and we're destroyed from the inside out. The next strategy on how you are able to guard these gates and, and why we should is, is that we need to be wise decision makers. Many circumstances require us to make different decisions in life, and these decisions can range from small to great. They can range from these mundane daily decisions in life to larger decisions about where we're going and, and big things in our life that weigh on our mind. And as it pertains to these decisions, we have to use wisdom and discernment. We have to use wisdom and discernment in making decisions in our life. And that means that we, we don't make these decisions on our own. We couple this with the first strategy. We couple it by going to prayer for these decisions. Being a wise decision maker doesn't limit our experience to one great or tough decision that comes up once in our lives. We don't look back and we say, you know what, this one decision where I was wise, that, that made it all worthwhile. And I didn't need to be wise in any other decision. No, being a wise decision maker means that I want to make the right decision. I want to know which path to go down. I want to ensure that every single little or small, little or great decision that I have to make, that I'm doing it as a wise decision maker. There, there's going to be changing of seasons in our lives. There's going to be changing of seasons in your life as you are preparing and you are pursuing leadership. There are going to be changes in these seasons that you go through that will change your leadership position. And when you find yourself in these different areas, you're never going to be settled completely after having made that one decision and you never move off of that. As the meandering road of life takes you from one place to the next, from one destination to the next, from one season of life to the next, from one position of authority to the next, from these different levels, these different layers, these different areas where you will have the opportunity to lead, it's required of us to continue to revisit this thought process. And that is, I want to be a wise decision maker. I want to be a wise decision maker in the best way I know to, to make a wise decision is to do it with wisdom and to do it with discernment. 
this wisdom that I want to use, this discernment that I want to use is not man's finite wisdom. It is the wisdom that is from above that James talks about. It's that wisdom that's from above. And in this wisdom, I believe when we seek that wisdom that's from above, and when we couple that with what we have learned through life, through the experiences of making other decisions, through the different areas that we have found ourselves in, different leadership roles, different areas of opportunity, as we couple, couple these experiences that God has allowed us to go through with that wisdom from above, then we will be able to use that discernment and that wisdom through subsequent decisions. And because of this, we can't just get comfortable after one decision is accomplished. We can't be comfortable in that state. Thinking back to our story, those, those warriors on the inside of those walls couldn't get comfortable. They couldn't rest after one fight, after one day that they held their position, after one advance was beaten back. If it's true that they fought for 10 years, then those defenders inside those walls had to get up every single day and say, I know we made the decision to defend yesterday. We got to make the decision again today. We can't rest and get comfortable. We can't, we can't let up. We can't get lackadaisical. We have to make sure that every single day we get up and we make the decision again to be wise decision makers to do it with discernment. And through decisions, you will create habits. These little decisions that we make throughout the day create habits. There's a great book I highly recommend you reading and adding to your library if you've not already done so. It's called The Power of Habit by Charles Duhigg. And in this, he explains that each habit in our life, it means little on its own, but each one has enormous impacts on so many areas of our lives. These areas range from happiness and success to health, productivity, and finances, but they don't stand alone. They are intertwined with these other habits that are formed in our lifetime. And it's up to us if we truly want to protect our mind, our home, our leadership, our growth, if we want to protect everything that we've worked for up to this point, for those of you that are aspiring to leadership and you're, and you're trying to get to a place where you can get a, a greater influence in your life, maybe a greater title, maybe it's a, a promotion on the job, you know that you have worked so hard to get to where you are today. What would it mean if you stopped right now and you allowed all of that work to be undone? Only you know the hours of maybe stress and anxiety, maybe the sleepless nights, maybe the worry, maybe all of the effort that you put in, the immense amount of, of push in your life to get you to where you are. You know that you can't just stop here and say, I worked really hard. It's okay if there's no 
reward at the end. It's okay if there's no influence. No, we're all striving for that increase in influence. We're all striving for that. So we have to make sure that these decisions that we're making become habits that are formed in our lives that allows us and propels us to this place that says, I've worked too hard for my mind, my home, my leadership. I've worked too hard for these things to be infiltrated and for me to let my guard down now. Those men should have recognized we've worked too hard. We have fought this battle for 10 years. We've worked too hard to allow ourselves to let an enemy in now. And the third strategy on how we should guard our gates and what this means is that we must be willing to get hurt. We must be willing to get hurt. Think about that in the context of a leader. I'm sure you've seen examples or maybe you have thoughts about leadership that says those in power, those in authority, those leaders are the ones who make the rules, enforce things. They are the ones who potentially hurt others because they're in that position and they can do so. And maybe you've thought it's excused because, well, they're in leadership. They can do that. They're the ones who can make hard decisions and they're the ones who can, in a corporate environment, they can hire, they can fire, all these different things. Maybe that's what you've thought. But the true heart of a leader says that I'm, I'm willing to get hurt. And when it comes to guarding our gates, we have to have that same mindset. In guarding the gates of your mind, you, you have to stand for something and you have to be principled and you have to have the attitude that three men did in history. I'm sure you all know these names, but the three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their story tells us that there were three principled individuals that were willing to get hurt in the face of an enemy that looked at them and said, I want to destroy your gates. I want to tear down everything that you stand for. I want to infiltrate and show the whole world. I want to show right in front of their eyes an entire nation that it's not worth it to defend and to guard gates. I want to tear down everything that you stand for. And these three men said, the gates are worth defending. And so even if I die defending these gates, I will be at peace knowing that I did everything possible to defend the gates of my mind, defend the gates of truth, defend the gates of my leadership, my home, defend the gates of the future. I did everything in my power to defend them. There are many enemies today that are trying to force us to let down our guard, to open up those gates that tells us that it's not worth it, that you can compromise. What are you doing in the face of this enemy today? Are you continuing to make a stand? Are you refusing to fight? Are you allowing yourself to be persuaded that there's truly not something worth fighting for? 
what are you doing in the face of this enemy? And how do we defend in the face of the enemy? I think we need to take the approach that we saw with the leadership of Nehemiah when he told the people, as you build the wall, one hand needs to have a a tool to build and another hand needs to have a sword. It's not so much that we are simply defending on this wall and we're not progressing and building and growing. We don't spend our our time there 100% of of our efforts and our energy. We have to make sure that we are simultaneously building a next generation, building ourselves into the leader that we're called to be, into building these things about us, these convictions, these things that we understand what we're standing for and what we're fighting for. And on the other hand, we need to make sure that we have a death grip on that sword. Every decision we make should have this approach. Every decision we make should should be the same as those those men standing at that wall. And I'm sure they were focused on a future, the future that was not geared towards creating a comfortable life, but focusing on the legacy. If I let down my guard, if I open the gates, then what's not just going to happen to me, but what's going to happen to the next generation? What's going to happen to those down the road? If I fail at guarding the gates of my mind, guarding the gates of truth, guarding the gates of my home, my marriage, my family, what is going to happen to the future? What is going to happen to that legacy? If you've not already, perhaps one day you will take on the role of a husband. If you're not already a leader today, perhaps one day you will take on the role of a leader in title, more than influence, but in title. If you're not a leader yet, perhaps you will. For those of you that already are in leadership roles, and and let's be honest, being in a marriage relationship is a leadership role. Being a father is a leadership role. You should be leading yourself. So we are in these areas of, of leadership, but we have to plant ourselves firmly in truth. And we have to draw a line that will make our future home better balanced, our future leadership more stable. And these things will have a solid foundation. You may not understand what that will, will be today. You may not understand, and, and it's true, it's, it's very difficult to understand exactly what the future holds for us. But those specifics of those roles that will come into play when you reach that station in life. But if we will today face these gates, face the things that are coming against us with a long-term approach, then we'll have a clearer sense down the road when that does become a little clearer, we'll have a, we'll have a better sense of why this is so important. I challenge you today to set your face in the direction of the future with this type of determination. But understand that when you do that, when, when you do plant that flag in the ground, when you do take that stand, you will be met with opposition. You will come up against an enemy that is ready to meet you at the gates, to see how strong those gates are, to see the condition of your mind, 
It's going to test you. It's going to see how sturdy the foundation is. And making a hard stance, perhaps at some point, it'll cause you hurt. It may cause some damage. You see, in our story, we don't ever find that the gates were in perfect condition, that the walls were never nicked or never had to be repaired, or perhaps even sections rebuilt entirely if there was enough damage. We don't find that. All, all we see is that for 10 years, this battle went back and forth. Making hard stands will perhaps at some point cause us hurt. It may damage or worse, dissolve some relationships in your life. That may happen, but you have to be comfortable and okay with being hurt. If you persevere, I can say this, if you persevere, it will be honored, it will be blessed. And how do I know that? Because I trust in this word. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you will reap if you don't faint or lose heart. I felt as though this was a topic that we needed to discuss as men. We, we needed to talk about this topic. I, I felt as though this is something that I know in my life, in my mind, my home, my marriage, with my children. I know this is something that weighs heavily on me. And if I'm going through this, looking out at the, the condition and the state of the world, I know that there are probably others out there who are also perhaps looking out at an enemy, trying to guard your gates, trying to push back that advance of the enemy, doing everything you can. And maybe you have thoughts like I do at times when you think, am I the only one still guarding the gates of my mind? Am I the only one out there that's still standing up against an enemy that's trying to infiltrate my home? Am I the only one that is trying to push back the advances of the enemy, trying to destroy my leadership, trying to destroy my influence? Men, you're not alone. Men, you're not the only one taking a stand. You're not the only one drawing a line. If you've struggled with it, if you're trying to find some strategies that will help, hopefully the things that we talked about today will not only give you that encouragement, will also give you some tangible things that you can implement in your life and in your leadership. The three strategies we talked about were supposed to be in this order, and that is you need to be prayerful, you need to be a wise decision maker, and you need to be willing to get hurt. But ultimately, at the end of the day, doing all these things, you can successfully guard the gates. These gates in your life that may be similar to the ones I mentioned, maybe slightly different. You know what those gates are. But nevertheless, these strategies will work for you. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for tuning in to another episode. As always, I aim to simply share the ways that we can develop our leadership to have a lasting imprint on men and families for generations to come. Remember, the journey to being a leader is a hard road. It's a long road. It's a bumpy road, but you can do it. Well, that does it for this episode. If you're listening, 
Again, thank you for joining. I hope you've learned something to help you in your pursuit of being a good leader or in your current leadership role. You've learned something that will help you continue to serve those that you are leading successfully. If you would, do me a favor as we wrap up this episode. Subscribe to the podcast so you can be notified whenever a new episode is posted. If you enjoyed it, give it a rating on whatever platform you've chosen to listen through. That'll help the Men Leading Men podcast more easily show up in the list of available podcasts so we can have the opportunity to share this message with new listeners. Thanks again for being here today. I hope you join me for the next episode.